0: The ability to organize a community with an action plan is a gift that few of us have. My guest today is Ben Edel, the founder of Free Oregon. This gentleman has many court cases where he is exposing election integrity issues, First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights, violations of civil rights across the board of the people of Oregon. The story that will be shared over a multi-part episode will be one that will open your eyes to evidence that is not being played out in the mainstream media. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel
1: emboldened. You don't know the Founding Fathers, you don't know what they do, you don't know what they sacrifice. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism,
0: and you got what you voted for. Welcome, Bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. As always, you can go over to americaoutloud.news, where you can check out all of my colleagues, all their great articles that they're putting up, Keeping America First, as well as the 24-7 America Out Loud talk radio network. We can hear great radio shows throughout every single day. It's available on all your favorite app devices in the app store. Just type in America Out Loud, and you also get the podcast through there as well. And then we're also available on every single podcast format. So just a great way to be able to hear some awesome content. Now, the shows that you're about to listen to, that will be putting out on the next several Mondays and Wednesdays. Today is the first one here on Wednesday, November 1st. I sat down on Monday, October 30th, and I spoke with Ben Edel. Ben Edel is an organizer that helped bring together 20,000 Oregonians during a crisis time where people were getting shut out of their businesses, mandates were going into place, people were losing their jobs, losing their homes, and he took action. And so you're going to hear sound bites. I'm going to break these, uh, this interview up into a little bit more manageable pieces. So let's go straight into the first segment that I had with Ben Edel. Enjoy. Ben, welcome to the show.
2: Greg, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be with you tonight.
0: Oh, the, the, the pleasure is all mine. The honor is all mine because as I said, I meant every single word, what you did for the average American in Oregon needs to be heard and needs to be seen, uh, nationally because you have shown a way to motivate individuals to take action. And isn't that what we need right now in this world? Like we, we have a bunch of people that go, I feel helpless at the war in the Middle East. I feel helpless about what's going on in our own government with Republicans that can't get their act together, Democrats that can't get their act together, when really what we need is people like yourself, myself, to organize and find out what locally needs to be done to make the changes that are important to the people in the everyday lives, right? What happens in Washington, D.C.? Sure, it's important. But what happens in your backyard, in your local school boards, in your local government, that's really where things start to affect your quality of life. And you're really on point on this message. You're really doing a great work. And so it's all my pleasure to have you here tonight. So uh welcome, welcome, welcome.
2: Well, thank you so much. And and you know, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I was guilty all the way through into 2020 for not participating in our political process. And I realized it when Kate Brown came out and said two weeks to flatten the curve, just two weeks. We're going to shut down businesses. Now, this is something that's unprecedented in my lifetime and in my parents' lifetime and even in my grandparents' lifetime. This has never occurred where the state came in and said, "You, we're going to control and, and devalue and take away your businesses, which is what they did. It was a Fifth Amendment violation. They took control of our lease agreements with our landlords. Uh, they, they essentially decided what business was essential and what business was not essential. But let me tell you something, if you're a business owner, your business is essential to you and your family. And at the time that this occurred back in 2020, eight people in the entire state of Oregon passed away with COVID-19, and they were all over the age of 87. And so at that point, I had no factual information that I could say that me or my family or anyone that I knew or the majority of the customers we served would be at risk. Um, And so I found it to be extraordinarily alarming. And uh, after the 15th day, uh, after the first day, after two weeks, I decided, nope, she said two weeks. I'm sticking with two weeks. And that's when I began to defy uh, the lockdown orders. And we had three cafes in the heart of the city of Portland. And we had a 4,700 square foot coffee roastery distributing coffee from uh, Oregon, Washington into Nevada and Las Vegas. Um, And just two years prior to that, this was a bankrupt business. And so um, we weren't in a position to ride it out. Um, And so I had to stay open and that's what I did.
0: You know, I had Ian Smith on my show probably almost a year ago. It was like December of uh, 2022. Are you familiar with Atlas Gym in New Jersey?
2: Uh, Yes, Atlas Gym. Absolutely. Guys like that. I was like, thank you, because I wasn't alone. And in 2020, I was being canceled. I was being put on the news in the local media as a business owner who was killing people with covid-19 however nobody that worked for me nor i nor anyone in my family ever got covid-19 we didn't get it until uh deep into 2021 and and so um and we didn't follow any of the of the quote precautions or the or the mandates like mask wearing and all this stuff so we we didn't follow the orders and we never got covid so um pretty strange stuff
0: how dare you be so selfish to want to still make a living and endanger other people's grandmothers, Ben? I mean, didn't you know how reckless and careless your actions were trying to sell coffee to people in the middle of a pent? Oh, come on! You know, I heard this too. I'm yeah. a I'm, I'm a high school teacher, and it was the same thing. I'll never forget hearing uh, a message that you know this is the new normal. Within the first like seven days, right? We had this all staff meeting, and I'm thinking, new normal. New normal. Right, that that those words struck me really with almost uh, my hair standing up on my arms. Of what is a new normal? I don't want this to be the new normal. I haven't been able to leave my house and enjoy life the way I have over the past several days. Well, lo and behold, that became one of the catchphrases after the first three weeks. Everybody was saying "new normal." And come to find out that when I asked my boss, you know, where'd this phrase come from? He's like, well, I think I heard like the governor's office or I heard the superintendent or somebody like at a higher level say those words. And it, it kind of struck me right then and there, seven days in, that we were part of some type of propaganda that was actually carefully curated just for this situation, that there would be language that would be used against Americans in order to psychologically make sure that you, you tow the line. We were part of a, a huge thought experiment, right? We were, we were looking at CO2 levels almost immediately into that stop, almost as if everybody was prepared for this very moment throughout the entire United States, except for the citizens that had it all just completely shoved down our throats. And uh, so I, I completely hear you uh, with that feeling. And then when it came time for vaccine vaccinations, Uh, it was either basically I got vaccinated or I didn't have a job Mm -hmm. and I have two children. So I ended up getting the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And then later on about eight o'clock that night, my listeners already know the story. I had a horrible adverse reaction and I've dealt with, uh, issues regulating my blood pressure ever since 2021, March 13th, I think was my shot. So that was the time that my, my life changed and it was all because, I was basically mandated and forced to get a vaccine coerced. coerced. It was coercion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw individuals like yourself that I was like, I really didn't want to do this, but I have to eat. I got to be able to feed my family. Right. Same. What reason you went and you opened up your store and uh, you know, I justified it by going, well, maybe like one of my students, I'm not going to kill the grandmother if I get sick. And now all that we know is complete bunk, right? It's total bunk. And it's you total know, you- bunk.
2: You, you, one of the things you mentioned that was that struck me, and there's a couple things I'd like to say, too. One is you're not alone. I was coerced as well. My family was coerced. My wife and I, our kids, thank God, didn't didn't have to be pushed into um, getting vaccinated. But my wife and I did end up being in a situation where uh, we were going to lose a lot of money uh, immediately and we had already lost our business. We lost most of our our, our entire retirement and all of our, our, our major assets um, besides our home um, and, and we were going to lose another huge chunk of money if we didn't get a vaccine. So we did too. My wife and I get the uh, Johnson and Johnson. And I have also had, uh, some physical issues ever since then that are, that are, that are, um, really annoying and, and not as bad as blood pressure, but very annoying. And, um, and, and, and I'll tell you that I'm not alone. There's, there's many people that have the exact same symptoms as me. And, um, and, and so it, it's, it's, uh, getting a little better over time, but, that happened. The other thing that you mentioned too, that um, was interesting to me was um, how quickly uh, they came out with the the, the catchphrase, the new normal. In, in the Portland metro area in Oregon, where we're very close to Amazon's headquarters up in uh, Seattle, and of course, Portland has some major hubs for Amazon as well, corporate hubs, uh, within a matter of weeks, uh, two to three weeks after the first lockdown, Amazon was running full produced commercials uh, talking about the new normal. Yep. Um, within weeks and I'll tell you right now being a, a 25 year entrepreneur working in uh, multiple industries I can tell you I know how long it takes to produce a, a commercial of that quality and it takes months not weeks correct and and they they they, were, they knew ahead of time uh, they were prepared and when you saw the big companies coming out nationwide with their ad campaigns all saying the new normal there was no way they were able to do that that quickly no, no absolutely I they didn't tell there.
0: I didn't tell you what I teach, Ben, my degrees in television and film. I spent some time in industry and I teach that now in a high school. So I I, I know the timeline, which is actually on my show a few weeks ago. Um, You know, I, I raised some eyebrows when I said that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are likely a fixed arrangement. And the reason I said that was the same time the visor commercial came out, all of a sudden Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, who's the poster boy for the visor campaign. And I'm going, wait a minute. You and I both know how this industry works, how you have to film these things well in advance. And Pfizer's not going to gamble on an ad that big unless they know they can win. Yeah. And so it to me, like this whole thing and smoke and mirrors, still to this day, only three percent of Americans have gotten this latest uh, vaccine that's out there. But yep. yet they are trying to make it sound like everybody wants it, everybody's getting it. In fact, your new governor. Uh, she just came out. Let me uh, pull this up on the screen for everybody. This was a post from today. And so Katie Brown, you know, she was probably one of the worst governors in this entire uh, country, but Tina Kotek, she may be coming out pretty fast uh, to be the second worst. All right. So if you didn't see this, this is Kotek's post today. She said recently, the first lady and I got our flu and COVID shots. It was quick and easy. Find a vaccine near you today at vaccine.gov and check out the OHA organ for more info. Protect yourself and your loved ones. Now, the Tina not see recently that ABC news, the mainstream news has even picked up on this at this point in time, that if you are to go ahead and get both your flu shot as well as a COVID shot on top of that, that this increases your risk at this point in time of blood clots you know, right on our own network, we have Dr. Peter McCullough. He's been on my show several times. I
2: love Dr. Peter McCullough.
0: He's awesome. Yeah, you know, he, he he's a regular on this show. Uh, he's one of our, our talents on the network as well. And he's been one of those voices that's really fought for people. Um, but he would say, you know, this is promoting death to possible uh, individuals that th- no one should be promoting a flu shot and a COVID shot together that the science now s- tells us that this could create blood clots and kill, especially people over the age of 65. But yet there, the governor is promoting it. Um, yep. Do you think no,
2: she actually got the shot?
0: I don't think so. No, not at all. I don't believe she got it whatsoever. In fact, I used to say all the time, these people are getting saline shots and I'm not even sure that all of us got the shots, right? Um, I'm Because we're still in that experimental phase, they had to have some type of control group if they really did want to do science, right? So yep. I don't even know if I believe that. I mean, and then your your city, Portland, like, it's the most backward city with facts. I mean, I remember during the protest when they said the health officials had not seen any evidence of coronavirus spread at protest at Black Lives Matter.
2: Yeah, right? you're totally safe if you were protesting or or, or breaking yeah, the, windows downtown. The you're
0: virus supports Black Lives to. Matter, right? The, the virus yeah. is very BLM friendly. And it wants you to have your voice heard out there. So don't worry about catching it. Pull those masks down or, you know, the other part of that policy in Portland and in some of the counties that was released, let me show this window to everybody. This is really going to be crazy. And I'm sorry. I can't zoom in anymore, but hopefully the viewers can still read this to you. It says people of color who have heightened concerns about racial profiling and harassment do the wearing face coverings in public are exempt to the directive of a mandate to wear a mask. So again, you know, do we really care no, about people of it's color? True. It's it's very true. If you were black, you didn't have to wear a mask. I,
2: I'm telling you, that this is this is the insanity that we were faced with. And it came so hard and so fast that we didn't we didn't we didn't really know what we were dealing with. Um and and that's that's why I started free Oregon. Look, we we I would go to work, I would go to work to a cafe. We we lost one at a time. We had to walk away one at a time. One of our, our main cafes was downtown. And when the riots started and the police were defunded, downtown became like, it, it was dangerous. It was very, very dangerous. And so there was no more customers, nothing, nothing was happening. People were locked up in their homes, literally because they were afraid to go outside. And um, and so we walked from downtown, then we walked from our Northeast location, which is in the heart of the black neighborhood in the King district in Portland. And uh, we ended up w- walking from that. And then we ended up walking finally from our 33rd division place uh, in late, uh, late December, December of 2020. And in January of 2021, I started free Oregon all by myself. Um, I would show up to my, my cafes with fascist and 12, point, uh, 12 foot font, spray painted across windows smashed. You know, I was the fascist. It, it was, it was so upside down and it really still is to this day. And there's a Rasmussen poll that came out and I'll tell you, um, we can talk about elections. We can talk about the, the COVID nonsense that occurred, Uh, But but I'll tell you this. Um, There was a Rasmussen poll that came out last week that said that more than 50 percent of the nation's Democrats now believe that there was election fraud uh, in the in the 2020 uh, general election. And Portland is a great example of this. You can't it is you would be hard pressed in this town to find a registered Democrat who's okay with any of this. They, they, They don't exist. Um, and, and so people are beginning, even the Democrats now are like, how do these people win these elections? Like, how are they, how are they still in power? What are we doing here? And there's some movement and some changes, but they're still going to bring in, you know, rank choice voting. And, and, um, it's, it's very odd to me, but I, I, I truly believe that, that, um, we have a huge portion of Americans that don't want to let go of the paradigm that the government protects us, that the government means safety. and the truth of the matter is, and I think people are waking up to this, especially in how violent and dangerous Portland has become and how dirty and how sad and how it's a zombie apocalypse. I mean, my wife and I went down to dinner in downtown Portland on, you know, uh, 9th and Morrison, uh, which is a hot ha- ha- happening place directly across the street from a brand new Ritz-Carlton that they just are about to open tomorrow. Um, and the and I could find a, at 630, we got reservations for. Uh, 20 minutes ahead of time because there's reservations every 15 minutes available at every downtown Portland restaurant. And we get there and there's three or four parking spots right out front of another hotel, a nice hotel that you never find a parking place. Um, And as we sat by the window, we watched a parade of junkies and drug dealers walk up and down the street and didn't see one normal person. We were there for an hour and a half and we didn't see one just regular person who's not hooked on drugs or selling drugs. This is the city of Portland it has been completely destroyed um and uh, and and the the people there are holding on i think a lot of people are holding on to the fact that you know they're going to fix this that that republicans and conservatives are racist um and that's we we rather have this disaster than than people in charge who are racist but um they're starting to wake up i just did a podcast on a democrat podcast yesterday that's in portland called um uh, northwest fresh and um, you know, we saw eye to eye on everything. And and I think, I think people are beginning to wake up. But back in January of 2021, I was alone and I didn't care. I, I said, I by myself will go after Kate Brown until she's gone. I will go after every everybody until they're gone. And what's really crazy about Free Oregon and the story of how we grew up is that we did these Monday night town halls. And the first town hall there was four of us. <laughs> I managed to get three other people to join me on a live zoom on Monday. And it was, a, it wasn't even live. It was just a town hall on zoom. We were, you know, here's right. the thing. And the next Monday we, we got up to like 17 or 18 or something like that. And then, um, and then after a while that we got up to 40 and 50 and, and then, and then all of a sudden the vaccine mandates came and free Organ was working to, to try to bring a mass, um, case for a fifth amendment takings case on behalf of business owners. And we had started raising a few bucks. We had like 4,800 bucks in the bank and we were trying to get enough money to, to, to file a lawsuit on fifth amendment grounds in federal court. And, um, then the vaccine mandates came on teachers, uh, medical workers and, Mm -hmm. um, doctors and first responders. And they had, they had three months, they had until October, uh, um, I think it was October 20th or 17th or something like that, that they had to get vaccinated or they would lose their jobs. And, um, at that point we made the decision that, um, that we were going to, uh, stop our fifth amendment takings case because this vaccine, and let me tell you, I'm a guy who goes to the doctor every 90 days for a prescription. And every 90 days when I'm in there during flu season, they go, you want your flu shot? I go, yeah, yeah, why not? You know, cause I don't know, you know, I'm just like, sure. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but I was wondering about this COVID vaccine already. And I, and I never wondered about vaccines before I trusted our FDA um, I was a normal person in America who trusted the government to a degree, right? Not all the way, um, but, but to a degree. And uh, we decided that the Fifth Amendment takings case was less important than the vaccine mandate because we knew people were going to die if this fact, because this vaccine hadn't been fully tested. So we knew it was going to kill people. And we didn't know because it was mRNA and it messed with your DNA that, that we, I, I thought that was a little odd that we're all being forced to take DNA experiments. Um, you know, obviously that's a, that's an issue. So we decided to take, uh, I got a, here's how it went. I got an email from our attorney and he said, anybody going to do anything about this? And I was blind copied, BCC'd on that email. So I knew that other big organizers around the state were on that email. And a week goes by, nothing. Another week goes by and I call him up and I say, yo, what are we going to, did anybody take you up on the offer of what we're going to do about this? He said, no. And I'm like, well, the the candle's burning here because we got, we, we've, we're two weeks into it to a 12 week, uh, mandate. And um, I love that mug. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're, 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 we burned up two weeks and, and our attorney said, no one's taking us up. So I said, what, what would it take to get a lawsuit filed? And he said, five grand. And I still had 4,800 in the bank. And I wrote him a check and I drove it out to Canby, Oregon. I gave it to him. I said, let's go. And we filed the lawsuit. And that was a state lawsuit. And then we ended <laughs> up getting money started pouring in. We raised hundreds of thousands of dollars over the next few weeks. Like an insane amount of money came in and then we brought a lawsuit uh, in federal court and all the attorneys I know of 25 years of of entrepreneurship, they all told me that that um, that uh, this was an unwinnable case. But this one attorney that we knew who was a free organ member and he was a, a, a patent attorney, but he knew the federal system, but he'd never been a civil rights. He's never had a civil rights case. And he decided, he thought the best strategy was to bring a case against the state of Oregon and the Oregon Health Authority under Nuremberg Code violation. Okay, And I ran the, the Nuremberg uh, idea by my best attorneys that I've known in 25 years of, of being an entrepreneur. And they all laughed. They said, that's crazy. That's insanity. Well, let me tell you something. We decided to bank on Stephen Jonkus, who's our civil rights attorney for Free Oregon, uh, on that Nuremberg case. And guess what? We're the only case remaining in federal court right now in this country, and it and it will vary, and if we win, if we go to the Supreme Court or the Ninth Circuit Court uh, rules against us, and we go to the uh, Supreme Court, um, it'll change everything, and this will never be able to uh, allowed to happen again in this country, and it will prove that the state of Oregon, the state of California, the state of Washington, the state of Delaware, the federal government itself, that they violated Nuremberg Code, which is juice uh, juice pr- uh, prudence which are juice codens, which means Codent. never to be diluted, never to be um, uh, limited in any way, more powerful than even our own United States Constitution. And that's how the Ninth Circuit Court characterized uh, the, the Nuremberg Code. And so we use the Ninth Circuit Court against itself to say, well, you characterize Nuremberg Code as being more important than even our own constitutional rights. And so how are you going to decline this when Nuremberg w- Code was violated? This was uh, um, a uh, an experimental medicine, a mass experimental medicine uh, medical procedure. So we're 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 really excited. This is still going. And Ben, ben and, what's I, I feel good
0: about what's the timeline look look like on that? Because honestly, if if that can go up to the Supreme Court, you are absolutely correct. You will be able to say that you were uh, behind one of the biggest cases over the last several decades. Really when it comes to uh, your personal rights. Okay, we're going to take a break right here, our conversation with Ben Edel. I hope that you're enjoying it. Lots of great information here regarding this court case. On the flip side of the break, I'm going to ask him about how much longer we may need to wait for this court case to get to the Supreme Court. Where does it exactly stand? This is just the first 20 minutes of a 2-hour and 20-minute long interview that I did. So I'm going to cut this up. You'll have another 40 minutes probably come Monday. 40 minutes come next Wednesday to kind of wrap everything up and I'll likely get Ben back on the show in the future too because he was great. Make sure you go over to americaoutloud.store where you can check out all the sponsors of the show and help support them. They keep the lights on help bring my podcast directly to you You can also support me by buy me a coffee.com backslash bold america you're listening to america emboldened with greg bolden here on the america out loud network be right back
1: we are the pulse and voice of everyday american thought Americaoutloud.news loud news delivering a message of truth inspiration and hope to the world ultimate digestive tune-up with OxyPowder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD, global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Kofix Rx.
0: get into some of the reasons why, but what's the timeline look like on that? Because I know the law is extremely slow.
2: It's very slow. In some cases, it's very slow. In this case, it's very slow because the state is really doing every effort, making every effort to slow it down. And, and what we're seeing in Oregon is really, um, you know, we're fighting ourselves. We're, we're raising our own money to fight these lawsuits. And then the state uses our tax dollars to fight us, Um, and, 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 and it's this vicious circle and people need to realize And I think as a libertarian, you'll really get this, never vote for any more money. Even if it's the museum in your small town and they just want a 10 cent or a, or a 0.02 percent, uh, levy on your property tax, you have to say no, because they take that money and they use it against you. That is what the state does. That's what the state will always do um there it has to be very well managed by people but people always believe it oh we need more fire we need more police the city of tiger which is a neighboring town uh suburb of portland next to me uh the city of tiger has this levy coming out on the ballot because they want to they want to refund the police right this is good we got to refund the police but (laughs) but their diversity equity and inclusion budget is massive and it's like well why don't you take your dei budget and maybe put that on the ballot and then take your dei budget and maybe give that to the police and see if your DEI gets, gets voted through. Um, and, and, but that's not how they work. They, they put the votes on police and fire, the essential things a city, a town, a municipality is supposed to do. And they're making that, that's what we have to pay more for, but they already take our, our dollars we give them and they give it to diversity, equity inclusion projects.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's, let's start breaking into some issues for listeners right now, because this is a good segue into defunding police. Um, I am under the impression that if I didn't have a friend that had been living in Portland during all of this, was sending me messages, that I really would not have had a uh, boots on the ground feel uh, for what was happening there, from the wildfires, from Black Lives Matter, from the mandates, from the weaponization of friends and family. It's like screw you, you're not allowed in my home if you're not going to be vaccinated. Uh, you know, you're denying signs. You're not wearing a mask. You're not coming within a hundred feet of me. Right? People got really. I'll just say they got ape shit crazy over all this back then. And so uh, when I heard all these stories, it led me to uh, kind of start looking at the news. And what I found was it was very one-sided, right? It was more on the liberal side than on the conservative side with talking about, you know, the issues of black lives matter. I didn't hear why maybe we'd want the police funded. And so my own family that are police officers, when they heard me kind of reposting different things that were these talking points, like Greg, you have this so wrong, like you don't need to defund the police in Portland and elsewhere. We're already defunding the police with these protests and the way police officers are being, uh, you know, treated, they're leaving the profession. You're eventually going to be in danger of just not having people to police your community because we've already hurt the, uh, the entire thing. And I have family that they tell me that they've served for, you know 30 years and they're like look really when you get down to it like that this claim that all police are racist that's not true whatsoever that you know that's people that are dedicating their lives to being on the streets in order to make their community better for all and that you know there were so many myths within the black lives matter uh talking points so what i'd like to do i'd like to kind of go bullet by bullet through, uh, some many different issues tonight with you, yeah. you know, now, now we're kind of getting into the meat and potatoes and let's start with black lives matter and Portland and what people around the rest of the United States might not have been able to see. Cause you talk about the funding. You had a hundred days, basically a hundred days of riots You had a person killed that was a Donald Trump supporter during that time. Uh, The police then killed the individual that uh, had murdered the other uh, person. You had violence. You had buildings burned down. You had the city that was getting destroyed. And this was like a typically uh, known as the Portlandia. You know, everybody sits in a coffee shop. They listen to indie music and they chill out and they vibe and enjoy nature. And the city Went completely crazy. So, tell me about that experience. So we can talk maybe a little bit more about the defund the, the police and now the fund the police complete three uh, one hundred and eighty that they've done. Yeah,
2: I mean, what we what we see uh, big picture. Okay, so what we're seeing with the entire policy um, infrastructure, the policy architecture that's coming out of our state legislation. Um, and over the past few years, when I look back now, it's like I, I, I can date back to about 2015 is where it really started to actually sneak in. Um, okay. But the defund the police movement was was the first in your face overt assault on our uh, on our um, on our stability as a as a community. Um, they, the goal. Look, the way I see it is. When you look at the results of the political action and then you see the same political action occur again, you can only assume that the results were the intended results. Okay, Right. With homelessness, with uh, medical freedom, with, uh, you know, Second Amendment rights, all that stuff, with COVID, all that stuff. So, for example, the first lockdown they used to put on Wikipedia, the the timelines and the uh, number of cases and the number of deaths. In the first lockdown, the first two weeks, COVID cases quadrupled and deaths doubled. Then they did it again. And guess what happened? COVID cases quadrupled and deaths doubled. Then they did it again. Then they did it again. Then they did it again. They did right. it for two years straight. Okay, people? Year and a half, two years. That wasn't, it wasn't two weeks. And every time they did it, that occurred. And so I had to assume that that was the intended result. They wanted more people to die uh, with COVID and they wanted more cases. When they defunded the police and in the name of Black Lives Matter, guess who died? Black lives. Um, our very small, minute black community in the King District of Portland had the highest crime rates. 75% of the people murdered in the city of Portland were black men and boys under the age of 30. Okay. This is a stat that burns in my mind. And it just, for, ben, a, just for
0: Ben, just for listeners too, just for listeners, yeah. it's disproportionately white in Portland, right up until this time. So it, you're talking. It, it is
2: so disproportionately white that you wouldn't believe your eyes if you came here from any other city in this nation. Right. So this it is, is a, the whitest city in uh, in in the country.
0: And so this and is a travesty for the black community. It is. Right? A, it, mean, is a, yes. it
2: is. A, it is a humanitarian crisis immediately after, because right. the gangs. We're killing each other and they were doing, look, it isn't about what color you are. Okay. It's about, it's about culture. All right. And, and we, we, the, 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 there's good people and and bad people, but it was already the most unstable community in our city. Okay. And so when you take the police away, you take the police out of that community, that community, and it becomes even more unstable and compound on top of that. That the vast majority of the of the people who live in the black community are Democrat voters who are anti-gun. Okay, they're anti-second amendment for the most part. Uh, they didn't listen to Malcolm X. They didn't listen, um, you, you know, to to, um, to 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 leaders before them. Malcolm X said one of my favorite quotes from Malcolm X, who's a big Second Amendment advocate. Yes, he, he said, "Never trust a white liberal." <laughs> <laughs> it's very true, and this is why. And so, to me, it, it was heartbreaking to watch. While I'm claiming, while I'm bringing this out to the media and bringing this out to attention, I'm also in turn being called a racist. And, and that was the clown world part of it. And I didn't care because I know who I am. I know I know who I am. I grew up in that black neighborhood. Okay, I went to this black schools. I was the white kid on the hoops team, the white kid on the football team, the white kid in class. There was usually two or three others. But I grew up in that community and, and, and I have, um, it shaped my life. And, and I know, I know, I don't know what it's like to be black, obviously, but I know a little bit more than an average white boy, uh, to say the least. And I can tell you immediately when the defund the police event occurred, what exactly was going to happen to the black community. They were not going to come out and increase the murder rate in Tualatin, Oregon. OK, the south, the south of where I live in the south uh, metro suburbs, you know, the nice homes and the, 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 the small, you know, communities. This isn't where it was gonna go. It was gonna go right there. And I knew it. And I, I I'm blown away hmm. that, that that there wasn't enough common sense by people um to uh uh to, to see that themselves. But that's what happened, and that was a destabilization. And the other thing that they did too is they decriminalized hard drugs, which as a libertarian, I know you're gonna agree with me to a sense that it shouldn't necessarily be criminalized, right? But you can't just you can't just uh decriminalize hard drugs and maintain criminal distribution of hard drugs but yeah what do you
0: have? I, was, I was gonna say there's there's a there's a, a catch-22 in the legalization of all drugs right yes. and that catch-22 is when the government says we're going to give you a safe place for you to shoot up your heroin now i don't believe in that whatsoever right yeah uh, that's my taxpayer dollars people have the ability to do whatever they want to do but their freedoms end where mine begin and yes. so you know it's the same thing you do you believe that people should be able to drink alcohol? Absolutely. people can drink alcohol should be able to get behind the wheel of their car and endanger my children and myself when I'm in my car. Absolutely not. But you know, the, the we could get into the war on drugs and everything else. It's one spot where I agreed with Oregon with what they were voting for. And I love the fact that that was a referendum vote where the people got to give their voice on it. However, yeah. the problem is the government's trying to also run a drug industry while also legalizing the drug industry and that's why the war on drugs is a big farce across this entire country this Huge entire f- time um so we would be on the same page on that I, I completely understand where you're getting from
2: and and what happened in oregon too as you, as the the police are defunded they brought in fbi so they brought in federal police and and federal the federal police in this in the city of portland and throughout the state has grown and and that's a that's a concern right there in and of itself, right?
0: But, but, didn't Don, but didn't didn't Donald Trump bring in the military in the Portland not once but twice at one point in time? Wasn't the uh, National Guard? Or am I thinking of a different city? Was that no, Seattle? It might have been Brown, Seattle.
2: Yeah, Kate Brown brought in the National Guard because there was a Proud Boys gathering in Delta Park, which is almost on the border of Washington and Oregon, and okay. they basically were a, about a couple hundred dudes drinking beer. Um, there, but, but she brought in the national guard and they didn't go anywhere. And Delta park is far removed from, from, you know, like the city itself, um, which was really bizarre to me. And, but I, but, but especially when at the same time we had 240 nights of constant riots in downtown Portland by, uh, left-wing, uh, progressive activists or communist activists or brown shirts. I mean, they're truly brown shirts, the act, the Antifa folks. Um, they're, they're truly brown shirts, but, but but that that's what we were facing, and the news media locally would say, "Oh, the Proud Boys are having an event in Delta Park," and it's it, there's nowhere there's nothing to smash in Delta Park. It's a big open place with a, like 15 or 20 soccer fields. There, there's really um, nothing there, but yet um, she was on the news every day uh, talking about bringing in the National Guard and everything else. But that's what that's when the guard was brought in. Was never brought in uh, to protect. Uh, the business owners and the property rights of, uh, of of Portlanders in the city. It never was. So um, okay. th- th- this is all destabiliz- destabilizing activities. The government is destabilizing our communities, splitting us from families, as you're saying. Uh, my family is one of those split families. I was raised by a, a very liberal school teachers, everyone in my mom, dad, stepmom, stepdad, everybody's teachers. They're all public school teachers. They're retired now, but we're
0: not all liberal, though. We're not all liberal.
2: We're not all liberal, but they're liberal. Okay, they're very okay. progressive liberal. Right. Uh, and so my my own stepdad became one of my best trolls. Um, and they, and they, but but my parents wouldn't see me, and my sister and brother wouldn't talk to me, and 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 they wouldn't see our kids and the grandkids, and hmm. it was devastatingly sad. Um. Uh. And and uh, watching my family live in fear. And, and buy into the propaganda and that's what it was it was propaganda there wasn't mm-hmm. any truth or reality in it um and uh and and so it, it, it's very sad we were very split um and um the government has the power to do that when we're asleep, when we're not participating in our, in the process. And that's what I, that's what free organ really was about. I wanted to get people like myself who at one point in time, 20 years ago was the vice chair of the Multnomah County young Republicans. But then I just went about my life and then realized that because I wasn't involved, this is allowed to happen. And so I took responsibility and I decided that I was going to be involved and dedicate whatever the rest of my life. I can't, allow my children to die in the streets of this country because I was afraid to act. Um, I look around the world and I know, and you know, and we all know that there's civil wars, there's death and destruction, there's coups, there's all kinds of of horrific things that governments do to another government when that one government has what the other government wants. And we are the biggest perpetrators of that worldwide. I mean, September 11th, we go into Iraq, we get the oil. Because that's what that's what that's what they wanted. Right.
0: Halliburton. Right. Dick Cheney. Halliburton.
2: Exactly. And it was all it was all allowed to happen. It was even even Pearl Harbor was 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 like, yeah, let's not mention Mm -hmm. the fact that the fleet's coming Um, because nobody, no American wanted a second world war. Um, And so we have to understand, look at the history. And but for 200 years, Americans like myself have sat here in this cozy bubble that the government is created for us to feel safe and to feel like there's opportunity to feel like we can own something, to feel like, you know, we can protect ourselves to feel that we're really untouchable from any of the world's dangers, but it's just a bubble. And when the government itself turns on its people, which is exactly what happened on the West coast and Oregon being the epicenter of that turn in our nation, Oregon is the front line in the fight against communism and I define communism, I think anybody else does too, as all power to the state. And the first way you got to get all power to the state is you have to infiltrate the education system, and you have to change the language, and you have to use democracy. You have to use the majority, right? After you've changed the language and the culture, you then change the words. And and there's people that, like my family even uses terms and words that I'd never heard before, and I didn't understand it but they change the terms. Then they destabilize by removing public safety and law enforcement. And then because they remove public safety and law enforcement and people start shooting each other, then they come after your Second Amendment rights, right? So this is all just a a thing. And then they don't let you see anything into the election system in Oregon. You can't even see the voter rolls. You can't make a public request, a record request now to say, how many votes were there for who? They won't give it to you anymore. It's It's been legislated out. So even as a candidate, you cannot see, you cannot see, or verify any election in the state Hmm. of Oregon. So that's where we're at right now. So it's bad.
0: Sorry, I I always like to keep the Communist Manifesto up in front of me when I (laughs) I get into these conversations because um, we'll get to elections in a second. One of the things we were just talking about is how do you know? that Oregon in different places in the United States are, are moving towards communist socialist regimes. And I use the word regime on purpose because we have czars now and that started with Obama. Um, and it's really this thought process of everybody wants, you know, universal income. Right. And when I say everybody, I don't want it, but there's a lot of people that are asking for it, Andrew Yang and, and other politicians, Marx and angle. They, they, believe that one of the things that you would need in a communist manifesto would be the abolition of private property in land and inheritance. And I always like to tell my listeners that if you're not paying attention to your property rights, then you don't understand where your rights come from, yeah. that you not only have this right to a life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you know John Locke had some words uh, about that, that he would share maybe a little bit differently than um, it was written. But the point that I'm trying to get at is you lost your property from Oregon and their lockdown methods. People lost their property from black lives matter and burning of a city and the failure to protect those by the police, uh, by the governor in order to help the police be able to do it to defend means that, yes, you're correct. One of the tenants of the communist manifesto was coming true in Oregon, as well as many other cities throughout this country, not just in Oregon. Um, And people fail to realize that that was actually a slip in the communism, that that was one of those uh, spots where that begins, or we can also talk about how, communication and transport, the control of that is one of the communist manifesto's main talking points. And what did they do during that time? If you weren't communicating with the proper language, they removed you from Twitter. They removed you from social media. You couldn't post on Instagram. You couldn't post on Facebook. You would get banned. You'd get shadow banned. It's still going on to this day. And we've seen now these court cases where under the Twitter files and many others that Facebook was actually working with the feds in order to remove information. Uh, and, the state. T- and the States and YouTube was complicit in that as well. Sorry, YouTube, d- please don't demonetize me and take me off this platform. Uh, <laughs> so we we see that this was happening all this time, but you couldn't speak truth. You couldn't speak common sense in 2020, 2021. I mean, I had people that were calling me conspiracy theorists left and right. And now those same people are coming to me saying, Greg, how did you know this? I'm going, I just tried to look at the information critically with a freedom and liberty-minded perspective of what makes sense to me within all of this. And then when you tell people that they can't travel, your ability to travel is a right that you have inherently at birth, right? If you take that away, then you're telling somebody that they're not free, that you are a slave in some way, shape, or form to your government. And what did they do? They said, well, 14 days the stop and stay. And why does that work? Because deep down inside, You morally want to do what's right, but here's what I want to present to you, Ben, about what's going on in the cities, what's going on with gangs, what's going on with shootings throughout this country. I believe that because people all said, you know what? We'll do this 14 days. We'll be the moral individual. I believe that after they realized that it wasn't 14 days, that it was two months, three months, six months, a year, two years, the people said, why am I doing the right thing? Why don't I get to do what I want to do? And as a result, moral relativism kind of started showing its head. And we saw it in the cities when people couldn't go where they wanted to go. We saw it throughout America and people started to snap. And I don't believe we have the kind society of 2019 here in 2023. I think we broke people mentally with the lockdowns. And I think the government knew damn well what was going to happen. And the other thing that we also know, Ben, is there was no data whatsoever that any lockdowns had ever stopped the spread of a virus that what was going on in China and Wuhan when they locked those people down in Shanghai, that we tried to mimic here with Donald Trump, Trump and then Joe Biden, there was nothing that Anthony Fauci had in his back pocket that said that that would work. So you're correct. When they started quadrupling numbers of infections or when we finally kind of reopened and that Christmas when everybody was home, you know, voluntarily and infections started going up, the, the data was already there. We already knew that masks weren't working. We already knew that people were going to get sick the more they stayed in close quarters. That the best thing we could have done is gotten outside and got air. I mean, your your state was so backwards. I was told and closing in the Parks, gym, the
2: yeah. mask d-
0: determines whether you get sick or not
2: sick. It's it's the craziest thing in the world. Like they took the rims off the basketball hoops in my town and in Portland. It's so you too. couldn't even go outside and shoot hoops. And this is through summertime and through like, we already have data, the data, the state of Oregon accidentally reported the data. When we locked down, sickness got worse. And and and, and, and they, that was the facts that we had. And they pulled the data after I made a, a reel on Instagram, which is the, the first reel I ever made in my life. It wasn't even a reel, it was a video. And it was seven minutes long and it got 40,000 views and I had 300 followers. Mm. So it was it was this crazy thing that occurred. Because I read off of the Oregon State's websites, the health websites, the timing and the dates and the timing and the dates of the deaths and the spreading of the disease, the number of cases and the deaths, along with the dates of the lockdown. And I read them side by side. And, and that, that, that got so much attention that the state of Oregon pulled it off of their website and they quit reporting. Of
0: course they did. They pulled it off because the states were working directly with the big tech companies. We're going to cut the show here for today. When we come back on Monday with Ben Edel, you're going to hear him talk about election integrity like you've never heard before. You're going to hear about a story of two court cases that are currently being heard, one that could go all the way up to the Supreme Court, which is showing in courts now that the voting machines could be tampered with. If what Ben is sharing from the court case, and you can go, you can check that out. I'll give that to you now if you want to look it up. It's Washington County versus Sippel. Uh If what Ben is sharing, this information that you'll hear about on Monday, this changes everything. It's the smoking gun, and it'll be right here on American Bolden to start the week next week. I hope that we honored your time. Well, you've enjoyed this first part of a three-part show with Ben Edel. It's been a great time bringing it to you. And I will be back on Friday with Chris Michaels and a special guest in order to recap the week. You've been listening to American Bolden with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America.